ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are grateful. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Michael Brandt, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Anthony, thanks for having me on. I am pumped to talk about all things ketones and kind of the, the the progression that this tool has taken from something that like pretty much like Tour de France riders and elite athletes were using um, in part because of how expensive it used to be to now something that we're seeing entrepreneurs, men and women who just want to optimize their cognitive performance and like, you know, their, their intellectual capacity. Um, we're going to cover some of the some of the myths and uh, misnomers around ketones and then a whole bunch of other stuff. So welcome to the show, brother. Pumped to, Love pumped it. To thanks. thanks for having me on, Anthony. Thanks everyone for listening in. And I think you nailed it. I think if we fast forward three, four or five years that people are going to be talking about ketones the same way they're talking about collagen or whey protein or omega threes as a nutritional primitive. That's a tool in everyone's toolkit, whether you're an elite athlete Navy SEAL, Tour de France rider, or you're an everyday person trying to have a nice day. Everyone mm-hmm. across the spectrum is going to at least have it as an option, as a tool in their toolkit that they can they can use to further their goals. Totally, totally. So for, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with your work, maybe you could give us a little bit of your background, your origin story, and like how you end up going so deep on ketones. Yeah, yeah, it's... I just had a, a daughter, actually. She's uh, eight and a half weeks old. And Congratulations. Thank you so much. No, it's, it's been beautiful. It's been amazing. And it's, I, I don't know, when I was when I was a little kid, I don't know, I, I didn't necessarily grow up wanting, knowing I wanted to be a ketone expert. I kind of fell into it via a really interesting story. I think, you know, I, I'm from Chicago originally, went to public school, kind of fit in, kind of didn't, and... I always knew I wanted to make a big dent in the world. Didn't want to do something standard. I was always inspired by the way that new technologies kind of broke the mold. The way that, you know, how did the internet actually happen? How did email actually happen? How did smartphones actually happen? And and seeing all that take place, I knew I always wanted to be an engineer. I was fortunate enough to get into Stanford for undergrad. That's where I met my co-founder. I studied we both studied computer science, just like hard engineering, just really solving complex technical sol- problems, understanding systems really well, and got from there really into biohacking, like looking at my own sis- my own body as a system of, hey, how do I get more productive hours in the day? Or how do I, I got really into distance running, marathoning. I run six minute miles for the marathon. And I got Whoa. that quick, actually, I got that quick, actually pretty quickly. Like it didn't take me, it took me like two, three years to get there because I was just measuring everything. I like my cadence, I would go on runs where I wouldn't let myself go above a certain heart rate. I would go run as fast as I can while keeping my heart rate under 140 BPM. So I'm in zone two. So just taking my engineering hat and applying it to the human body as a system personally. And then also with my co-founder, Jeff Wu, building this brand this company around it and we've we've looked at a lot of different areas we're really early into intermittent fasting we're in continuous glucose monitors back before there were cool companies like levels out there where you could just you know 
buy it easily. Like when we were first doing it, you had to order it on like European eBay because <laughs> it wasn't like street legal in the US. And we've we've played around with a lot of different stuff. I'll just say that. And specifically, one thing that was always interesting to us was, you know, I've done a seven day long fast, done a lot of low carb training, going on a 14 mile run with no carbs in the system, just train my body on metabolic flexibility, train my body to make ketones and ketones kept coming up again and again. There's all these things that you can do to make your body make a ketone. You can eat low carb, you can exercise and burn off your carbs. You can fast so that your body burns through its carbs and is, and in all those states, what, what keeps them all in common is that your body is making ketones and you have an elevated level of ketones. And then often people feel really good and they, their appetite is under control and they feel this mental sharpness. And my co-founder and I, both being engineers, computer science guys, we just went to the first principles of it. And we said, Hey, what is a ketone? Like everyone's going through all these, jumping through all these hoops, to like make their body make a ketone. And some of that is still really beneficial. Like, like there's still a place for all of those things I mentioned, but what about just this ketone itself? Like how, how, why isn't that a product yet? Like, why can't you go to the store and buy a ketone? And so in 2017, we launched the world's first ketone drink. Our first big customer on that was the U.S. DOD, the Department of Defense Special Operations Command. We have a $6 million contract with them where we're look, they're using ketones. We're looking at ketones for application in different physically and cognitively demanding challenges, you know, hypoxia, low oxygen, strenuous strain activities and seeing how ketones can recover performance in those contexts, both cognitively and physically. And in January of this year, we launched the consumer ready version of it, where what we had in 2017 was super expensive and also tastes pretty crazy. And it was really this like Navy SEAL juice and Tour de France juice, but it wasn't really something, it wasn't at a price point or just general spot where it could be something you pick up at your local grocery store. It was $30 a shot. It was pretty hardcore. And in January of this year, we launched Ketone IQ, where we brought down the price to four bucks a serving. Still, I, we still have work to do. I would love it to be 40 cents a serving. So truly, you know, truly broadly, people can have it. But at $4 a serving, it's in line with a nice cup of coffee or CBD or collagen boost, like that, that kind of thing that people are having day to day. I, I won't say it's, we've, we've done our work all the way of like making it totally accessible, but it's at a spot where like there's a certain, for a certain set of people who are performance minded, it can be a daily thing. Just like your, you know, athletic greens is like two, three bucks a day, right? We're in that ballpark of, Hey, you can drink a ketone every day. If, if it's, if, if it's important to you to spend more time with elevated ketone levels, which I certainly think is true via, via drinking ketones and also through all the other things I said, I think that humans should be spending more time with elevated ketone levels, just like mm -hmm. our ancestors. And uh, what we have with, uh, with ketone IQ is a, another way to get there. hundred percent. And like, yeah, you brought up some great points. I mean, a lot of the things, a lot of these strategies that people like you and high performers are using to elevate their ketones, fasting, you know, longer, longer fasts, lower carbohydrate, nutritional templates, uh, exercising in a fasted state. These are all things that like our ancestors did. You know, if you were in a period of scarcity right. and you and you had to hunt to get food, you're exercising in a fasted state, right? If if there's if yeah. there's a lot of time between buffalo, you know, that you take down and, and, and something like that or whatever you are hunting, again, you're fasting and it's just happening as a, as a natural byproduct of this more ancestral way of living. And now we're starting to realize that like ketones are kind of like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like the fourth macronutrient, like everyone's 
familiar with like proteins, carbohydrates, fats, but it's sort of like ketones are almost like the fourth macronutrient, like this other energy producing molecule that very few people are even aware of, especially compared to the other three. And maybe you could elaborate a little bit more for like our listeners who might not be intimately familiar with ketones. Like when someone asks you, what is a ketone? What do you say? There's so many different ways to answer that because you can like the super simple ways. Uh, ketones is something you drink that makes you feel really good. But there's also the like, hey, do you have an hour and a half to talk about like the biochem behind it and what a ketone is? Uh, I would say the next level up of understanding is a ketone is a metabolic substrate. It's something that your your cells, your mitochondria inside of your cells can turn into ATP. The if people are remembering their high school biology or people, I know listeners here are pretty, pretty sharp. So maybe I'll know what a mitochondria is. The power plant of the cell, you turn metabolites into ATP and ketones are a metabolite that can turn into ATP. And they have certain advantages over the other metabolites. So you have fats, you have carbohydrates, you have other things like proteins, which proteins will turn in with gluconeogenesis, proteins can, will turn into carbohydrates. So you have this set of metabolites and ketones are really interesting. Fats can be directly metabolized, but they can also turn into ketones. And in your brain in particular, your brain actually cannot metabolize fat. So ketone is really a ketones versus glucose battle in your brain. You also have other, other metabolites people might know about are lactate. So when your body, a lot of people I think know that when you exercise a lot, your body builds up lactate lactic acid and another topic we can dive into a little bit, but that the, the thinking on lactic acid is changing a little bit too, where it's maybe not this like bad thing where it's actually part of your metabolic process. And yes, it builds up when you are exercising a lot and yes, you feel sore after you exercise, but is it like the lactic acid that's causing it? So there's a few different metabolites Ketones in particular are super efficient. So compare ketones to glucose. Those are the two main ones. Let's just let's just leave it there. Like ketones and glucose are the two main ones. Ketones compared to glucose, they turn into ATP more efficiently. So what does that mean? Mm -hmm. If you have a glucose and you have a, a ketone, the ketone turns into ATP, the same amount of ATP, but using less oxygen, using 25 to 30% less oxygen you're able to make ATP. So that's interesting, right? When you're like out of breath or from exercising really hard or you're in a low oxygen environment, or even if you're just not out of breath and at sea level, having something that's more efficient is still, it, it provides you a benefit over just your baseline. Mm -hmm. And then as ketones are being metabolized, another, another aspect of that efficiency is that they create less oxidative stress less reactive oxygen species. So less like you can think about it like your metabolism is this engine that's always going. And if you have better or worse quality fuel going into it, that the gunk will build up faster or slower. And that that's a major contributing factor to aging that like you can mm -hmm. only do so much, you know, gunk build up. So before you affect all these downstream things that affect aging and, mm -hmm having a cleaner fuel and spending more time metabolizing ketones versus sugar, there's a, that's where a lot of people in the longevity community get excited, which is like, Hey, this is a cleaner fuel. Like I'm, I'm running less rough shot on my body. It's like, if you're skiing over like sticks and stones versus pure fluffy snow, like if my 
body is just using this cleaner source of energy, less metabolic stress, that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Like Aside less- from like, hey, when I drink it right now, I feel good. It's just like, hey, even if I didn't feel good, like this is interesting from a, a longevity perspective. A hundred percent. It's and we're talking about some of these like reactive oxygen species and, and like when we're talking about metabolic byproducts, it's 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 just a much cleaner burning fuel, less uh oxidative stress on the cells, which so you're you're affecting the mitochondria, those energy powerhouses of the cells from many different facets. Like they're they're working better because ketones are just a superior fuel compared to glucose. But then they're also working better because they're not dealing with a soup of unnecessary reactive oxygen species and metabolic byproducts that can cause cellular inflammation and interfere with like the, 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 the biological energy production process. Yeah, that's that's right. So there's some really interesting stuff going on with ketones for anti-inflammation where they seem to not only be less of a contributor to inflammation, but also have some signaling benefit to like decrease inflammation Mm -hmm. a big area of research that we're really excited about i'm really excited about we just submitted a a seven-figure contract with the naval health research center is around tbi traumatic brain injury where Mm. when you get a concussion there's a lot of there's a lot of damage that takes place at that moment of impact there's also this inflammation that that stays around for a while and that inflammation over the trailing days after the impact after the concussion that starves the neurons. And so currently there's a lot of, there's a lot of doctors who will recommend, Hey, you got to immediately fast or immediately cut out carbs and go ketogenic so that you can get elevate your ketone levels in order to reduce that inflammation in order to recover your neuron metabolism. Cause when they do these brain scans of people who have undergone concussion, there's reduction in brain metabolism. It's not good, right? Your, your neurons are dying and slowing mm-hmm. down and if you can have a ketone to rescue what's going on there, that's, I mean, that's major. That's like, that's a super interesting, like, you know, inflammation is this broad topic, but really specifically looking at TBI, like your, your brain, your cognitive function is, is a really interesting area for the military, for NFL, for, I mean, just anyone. Like I can say for myself personally, if myself or someone I know got into a skiing accident or, or whatnot, you know, knock on wood, but like if, if you banged your head, like I would instantly have ketones, like instantly just make sure you have more ketone metabolite present in your bloodstream. So you have more, more fuel for your neurons during that super critical moment. Fascinating. You mentioned that because I was about to share a story b- before you even gave the example of like a ski injury, but like I used to, I snowboard, I, I skied for like up until I was 16 that I tried snowboarding and never, never looked back. And, uh, for a long time, we would, we would get into some things that I don't do anymore, you know, going out of bounds and, you know what I mean? Like really, really challenging ourselves. Yeah. Full, full sense. And in like 2007, I was on the mountain with, uh, two of my best friends. One, uh, they were both skiing. I was snowboarding and imagine a guy who's like 27 years old making uh, a million dollars plus a year doing like options and derivatives trading at like one of the big firms in, in Chicago. And uh, wow. my one buddy and I were a little bit ahead of him on the hill and we were doing a double black tree run in, in Colorado. And all of a sudden we heard him screaming and took off our gear, went running uphill and he had wiped out and gone back first into a tree. 
And he was like wrapped around the tree. He's screaming, I'm paralyzed. I'm paralyzed. I'm like, no, you're not, man. Everything's going to be okay. We'll get you out of here. We, we had to helicopter him out of there. And um, this is a guy who was like shredded, played basketball every morning, like by every, at least like tangible uh, measurement of success was, was crushing it. And then in an instant, um, paralyzed, hit, hit the T4 part of the spine. And, um, and it, I mean, his whole life changed. He, he started a, a, a charity called Spinal Cord Injuries Suck, raised like a million dollars in the first year. Uh, he was doing the Chicago Marathon in a wheelchair within 18 months of his injury. But um, I'm mentioning that not to like be a downer, but because if we were aware of these tools and these tools were accessible at the time, like you see what happens in the NFL when someone gets a really bad traumatic brain injury or a, or a spinal cord injury, like if, if they can get them certain things that reduce inflammation via IV saline IVs and with, with some other things added, or even like, you know, exogenous ketones, like we're talking about, this can be a matter of life and death or dramatically reducing the deleterious impacts of these spinal cord injuries and traumatic brain injuries. And, and like, it's, I'm mentioning that because if people practice doing this stuff while they're training, while they're trying to keep their brain optimized for work and, and, and cognitive tasks, if, if they ever did encounter these types of situations, they'll know exactly what to do and they'll, they'll have this stuff on hand and they'll be ready to take action and, it, you know, it can be a matter of life and death and it can be a matter of, of preserving massive amounts of, of life quality uh, versus, you know, just kind of throwing up your hands and being like, I hope the doctors fix me, you know? Yeah, I, I'm really sorry to hear that. It sounds that sounds terrible for, for him and also for you to be there and to witness that kind of trauma from a good friend. It's um, really, really sad to hear that. I think that and what your friend is doing has done since seems like incredible and oh yeah he's a g crushing 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 the chicago marathon and a wheelchair and and raising a million bucks for charity is no joke i think when people get into that state a lot of times when your health is really in limbo you start to become a biohacker right like when you're when you have a spinal cord injury or when you're trying to get pregnant and it's not working or when you're facing cognitive decline like everyone turns on and becomes a biohacker when their body is failing them or, or, you know, not working as standard and they need to figure out a way around it. And I think just to echo it back to you, like one thing you're saying is that having some comfort and familiarity with those things, even while you are healthy and able-bodied can only help you prepare with a mindset of like how you might approach things later in life. It's really an, not a matter of if it's a matter of when like we should all be so lucky to live to an age where we encounter some sort of disabilities i mean i don't know some people want to live fast die young but i think for most people it's like you would you would want you want to live a ripe old life and be 70 80 90 plus years old and at some point something's gonna start to decay and you're gonna want to start ab testing around it oh hey why why am i not as sharp hey why why am i losing joints mobility like hey what is this and it's not like one day that that happens. I think along the way, we can get comfortable with the tools. And I think it's exciting to see entrepreneurs building these tools for people who are marginalized or disabled, but that like that those tools are also being made available for everyday people 
to get comfortable with this whole like modality of, hey, my body is this fluid dynamic thing that can be optimized. And let me think about that and go for certain outcomes. And that, that, that should be on the table for everyone, whether we're health, healthy, not healthy, able-bodied, disabled, that, that, that seems to be, if I had a prediction about what's going to happen in the next decade, it's that the human body is the next platform for innovation and that there's going to be like 10x or 100x more people just informed about what's really going on in their body and have some wake up every Monday, wake up every day with a thesis of like, hey, what am I, what am I cracking at this week? Like, what am I trying to drive towards? We're right now, it's still, I think we're still like, we're like not totally fringe, but I think we're like still semi out there. It's like, maybe we've gone from it being like biohacking being this weird thing for 1% of the population to maybe it's like 10 or 20% of the population, but it's not this like everyday thing where like everyone has a smartphone in their pocket. I don't know if everyone knows their blood glucose level or if everyone's like has a goal for optimizing themselves in some way or like AB testing something this week or this month. I don't think we're quite there yet. What's up, guys? It's Anthony here, and I interrupt this broadcast because I just opened up the coolest package. It was uh, it was one of the first packages that arrived at our PO box, and it included a bottle of uh, CBD infused hydrating body lotion from it looks like American Shaman is the company and I haven't tried it yet, so I can't necessarily vouch for it, but it looks pretty dope. Yeah, a Liberty Lives sticker, a whole bunch of USA stickers and uh, red, white, and blue and home of the brave and that sort of thing. A $75 gift card to Lowe's, which is pretty awesome. And a little note, cheers to making your own furniture. And then I've got a cool, uh, envelope with a letter here that I haven't opened, but I will open on the air. And uh, if if it's cool with the author, um, share it with you guys. And you know, if, it, if there's a question or two on there that I could help with, be happy to do that. So um, I love this. I absolutely love getting stuff in the mail, and uh, with all the digital censorship and everything that's been going on. It's it's a great way for us to be able to stay in touch and open those lines of communication. And just being real with you guys, I've been putting a ton of my resources into our North Carolina property. We had to buy an excavator. We have put in over a mile of roads into mountains at 3,500 feet that are filled with like thick, almost rainforest uh, topography. And now we're kind of getting to the point where I could build a home and I don't, I don't have a, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable. I live good. I have everything I need and I'm super, super blessed. Um, but if you guys feel compelled to contribute, if you feel that there has been a contribution to the value that you have received from the Biohacking Secrets Show, the Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus, our coaching program, anything that we've put out there, some of our videos, whatever it is, if it's uplifted your life physically, mentally, spiritually, and you feel that the value that you have received exceeds 
the value that you've given um, and you have the means to do so, I'd love to open up uh, an opportunity for you to send in a donation that will go towards me building my house in North Carolina. And cash is amazing. Silver from Gainesville Coins is amazing. And really anything that you feel called to share. And if you're not in a position to share, obviously, like I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a situation at all. That's not the purpose here. It's only if if there's abundance in your life, if you feel that the value that you've received from the things that we've put out exceeds the value that you've given, then uh, you can send in some something cool along with a handwritten letter to P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. That's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, one word, Illinois, 60015. And... Uh, if you do do so, like, yes, silver from Gainesville coins is amazing. Yes, cash is amazing. And I can use those things to help build a house in North Carolina. Oh, and a super dope biohacking gym that, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot that we're going to do with that, with our events and with our coaching program and everything that you guys will see. But I got to build a biohacking gym and a home. And that's what your donations would be going towards. Um, but if you do do that, please include a handwritten letter. Share a little bit of your story, some of the ways that your life has changed or improved. If you have any questions, you can include one or two of those in the letter and I will answer them on the air. And I think it's an awesome way for us to stay connected, stay in touch, avoid some of the online censorship. And, uh, and you guys could help me build my house and biohacking, biohacker gym. It'd be amazing. It's a win-win for everybody. So yes, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening and being part of this journey. Much love to you. And now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. We launched Biohacking Secrets. Like I started writing the Biohacker's Guide in, in late 2015. We, we released it in 2016. And constantly it was, what's biohacking? What's bio? We're now, that's, you know, like we're past that. I think a lot of people know what it is and, and have taken interest in it. And, and like you did mention, I mean, I've had, I've had Lyme disease twice and, and while it, it sucked while going through it, it was it was the greatest blessing that I ever experienced. And like most of the things that we've ended up being able to integrate and help people with overcoming challenges that maybe they're told by other individuals or, or organizations are, you know, quote unquote, incurable or un, in, not, not fixable. When when you have necessity as one of your greatest teachers, um, you start taking a keener interest in, in identifying the switches and levers to create desired effects in your own biology, you know? And, yes. and so I'm mentioning that because anyone that's listening to this, that's going through a health challenge, a health crisis, like when you're in it, it sucks. And I know that, but it's also taking a 30,000 foot view and saying like asking different questions, like how could this be the greatest blessing that, I ever experience, you know, what are all the amazing things that could come from this? If I embrace it and learn from it and build a new skill set, like we're teaching them in, in this conversation. I, I agree. I think if I have one message, it's that it's okay 
to be experimenting with yourself. A lot of friends at some point get disappointed in the medical system where that is just a personal example. Like we just had, we just had a, a baby daughter and our doctor's awesome. Like there's nothing, neg- nothing negative, but we go to our doctor for like 20 minutes at, at first it was like once a week and now it's like once every couple of months. And it's like, it's just not enough touch. And like, I completely trust the doctor where if something serious were to happen, like we will absolutely solve it. But in terms, there's so much of this, like in between stuff of like, what should the lighting level be and how should we think about lactation and how should we think about this aspect and that aspect and and like the MD, it's either like they're not exactly the right person for it or they don't have totally the bandwidth for it. And, and talking with my wife about that, like play between your MD, like Western medicine and like what that can and can't solve versus like, uh, we've just been calling it like the council of aunties and like, and, or just trying things out yourself and keeping notes in an app of like, Hey, when we try this, the baby sleeps better. Or when we try this, the baby has more gas and let's introduce interventions one at a time to see what is making the baby seem to have more or less of an issue with, you know, crying at bedtime or having, having a bloated stomach throughout the day. And like, it, that it's okay to do that. I think I don't want to ever come across like anti-Western medicine. I think it's though important for us to understand what it is and isn't. And I think there's a lot that is still left to us as individuals to take into our own hand of like, it's our own body, it's our own life. Like we still do need to be trying things out, learning, exploring, not just like expecting our doctor to like literally serve it to us on a plate of like, here's what you go and do or don't do. A lot of doctors don't know a ton about nutrition. It's just not really taught in medical school. Like they'll cure, Mm -hmm. they'll throw a cure your way if you have diabetes, but like they're not, they are not like in your pocket along the way, the way that you need to be with your own self. And I think we're crossing a chasm where I think for like the past decade, in order to do this, you had to be, you had to be a biohacker. You had to be a big nerd about it. You had to track your own stuff and you had to really like try and care. And it's one of the top five things that you care about in life. And it's part of your identity. One thing I'm hopeful about for the future is that because of these hardwares, you know, your aura ring and your whoop and your, your continuous glucose monitor, Abbott's coming out with a continuous ketone monitor. They just announced Mm. project lingo. Like as you're seeing this proliferation of hardware and devices and this innovation on inputs, like what we're doing, where you just have a direct ketone available that you're going to be able to self-manage without going to your doctor and also without having to be like getting a master's degree on the streets in biohacking. Like you're mm-hmm. going to be, the, the barrier to entry is becoming easier and easier. Like, I don't know, in like the eighties, if you were, if you had a computer, like you probably had a freaking pretty big, big brain figuring out how to make a computer. And like, you know, if you were one of the first people on the internet, like, wow, like you had to really think about it. Now it's like, anyone can get on the internet or has multiple devices that are connected to the internet at all points. Like that same, I hope in the next decade that we see massive innovation in personal health ability to optimize because your doctor doesn't have time for it. Your doctor doesn't necessarily know everything about the in in between of in between doctor's visits of how to actually like build and maintain a healthy life. Folks like you and me, and I, maybe a lot of the listeners dialing in too, I'm sure like, have learned a lot and taken upon themselves to learn a lot. I just hope that like the next level of adoption is it's just way easier for people and everyone can optimize their life without having to like think so hard about it all the time. 
Totally, totally. And and there's I mean, there's so many benefits of Western medicine. Like this past summer, I accidentally axed my hand. I was like I was camping in North Carolina, chopping wood and just had one of those brief moments, you know, jacked up my extensor tendon. And thank God for Western medicine. Like they put me back yeah. together. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm back lifting. Everything's working the way that it was. And like if I was like, no, I'm just going to, you know, put some Windex on it and hope it heals. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's an old, uh, uh, my big fat Greek wedding. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't have Western medicine in that situation, I probably wouldn't have the use of, of, you know, my left index finger. But like you said, many of, of, of the, the doctors that are working within that system, they have uh, a, a framework that's very limited where they're only given sometimes seven to 20 minutes per, per client. And I don't care how smart you are or what diagnostic tools you're using. You can only do so much in that amount of time. And, um, and, and I think it's beautiful that a lot of uh, physicians are migrating towards a more like functional approach and starting their own practices where they can spend more time with clients and like maybe not see the same volume, but, but go deeper with the people that they're working with. But it's also resulted in people like you and I, and a lot of our listeners realizing, okay, I need to take responsibility for this. Like the days of outsourcing my health to someone else. um, You can still do that if you want, but I believe we're kind of entering this bifurcation where in the next 10 years, we're going to have the people that have built this skill set and, and, and are radically upgrading their physical, mental performance, their energy production, uh, productivity. And then you're going to have the people that just sort of rely on information from the, the rectangular box on their wall and do what the white coats tell them in that limited 10 to 20 minutes that they see them. And, and it's going to be almost like two different species, I believe. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting take on it. There, we're going to see some some separation. It's it's almost like being computer literate versus not. It's like right. It's yeah. two different. Like if you're not good at computer, it's not an optional thing to like not be good at computers in 2022. Like you know, there's just a certain entire like class of jobs and mobility and all that that like are not going to be available to you if you're not if you're not computer literate, and ideally like you know can know your way around a little bit of something on can like put it together a website on a Shopify store, like not, you know, something beyond just being able to send an email or a text message that we're going to see that same with the human body, where if you're not sure, you never heard the word blood glucose before, you have no idea what like lipids are or no idea what heart rate variability could mean or no, like you've never tracked your sleep score. You have no idea how objectively, like how well you sleep or not. Like, it's just not going to be, it's almost going to be like not fair, like where you have some people are just going to be so much more productive or have so much, so many more active life years where they're able to mm-hmm. be contributing members of society, be, you know, be there for their family, be there for all that. Um, it's going to be, there's going to be a big separation, I think. Totally. And I hopefully, agree. hopefully it doesn't need to be that. I don't know. I think I, I'm hopeful that it's it's not like some people get totally left in the dust. I hope that like all ships will rise. Like as things get easier, like every day, everyone can connect to the internet now. I hope there's some like it, in the United States, right? I hope that there is some baseline of like knowledge, comfort with one's body that comes up soon. Because sure. we're, we're definitely headed in a, like a troubling direction. 
And, and I think it's, it's going to be part of the, part of our role is to be that source of inspiration and, and, and a shining example of what's possible when you embrace this stuff so that other people see that and are like, what the heck are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I want to feel that way. I saw this post a little bit earlier and, and it was like, not, you know, not trying to brag, but I just walked into the, walked into, uh, another room and actually remembered why I walked in. And, and she was like, granted, it was the bathroom, but still. And I was like, I saw that and it was funny. But at the same time, I'm like, that's super concerning that that's like repeatedly happening to people, you know, where they're posting about it online that like they're walking into rooms and not even remembering why they went there. You know, like that's a sign yeah. that something yeah. is off and, and and our biology needs needs some help um, to kind of I'm, I'm fascinated. You mentioned Project Lingo by Abbott and, and these continuous yeah. ketone monitors. Is that on the market now? Is that something that's accessible? Have you used that? They they just announced it at CES, Consumer Electronics Show, this year. And interestingly enough, I know someone on the team there that I went to undergrad with, and we we're catching up on it. And yeah, the idea is that, hey, continuous glucose monitoring is super interesting. It's clearly taken off from that level of like, it used to just be for people with therapeutic need state where they have, usually have diabetes to now it's like everyday people want to measure their blood glucose level and you and abbott basically is extending that line of thought to say okay well if it's helpful to measure your blood glucose level what are the other blood biomarkers that people care about and ketones top of the list the other ones they're doing a blood lactate level and they're also doing a blood alcohol monitor <laughs> blood alcohol monitor so Fascinating. the ability the ability to see kind of how you're tracking across these and it's really interesting right because when you're when you're in when you're when you're trying to like calibrate a device like that like the gold standard is like you know you can do the finger pricks like mm -hmm. you can uh, you can there's a few different ways to measure your blood ketone levels right like when i did a seven day long fast like every I don't know, twice a day i was like tracking my blood ketone levels you can do a breath measurement you can do a urine measurement you can do a blood measurement the blood one works the best it's just the most precise it's the thing that you're most directly trying to measure versus like how much you're peeing out it's like it can it can be a more muddied signal because mm -hmm. your body gets better at actually not excreting it once you get more keto adapted so like your urine ketone levels might go down even though you're getting better at making and using ketones anyway the the gold standard is this blood ketone measure from your finger the continuous ketone patch you need a way to calibrate it right you need a way to measure if it's working or not so like you can you can you need to elevate a person's blood glucose level or blood ketone levels i should say and then and then test whether the patch is working or not and mm -hmm. one of the coolest things that we've done is being, being able to supply for those efforts it's like when when uh global medical de hardware devices company is making a ketone continuous ketone monitor they're using our ketones to elevate the participants ketone levels and validate whether their devices are working or not because the alternative is like you got to go find people who are on the keto diet or who are mm -hmm. fasting and like it's like hard to find those participants or it's hard to find normal participants and force them you know hey we'll pay you a thousand dollars to do the keto diet like it's very hard to find people who are truly in ketosis from a true keto diet mm -hmm. what's a lot easier is to have like a normal healthy person and 
get, elevate their ketones with an exogenous ketone and then test whether or not your continuous ketone patch is working with that That's person. cool. That's really cool that they're that they're using your uh, your products for that. And like, I mean, you sent you sent uh, a, a bottle of your ketone IQ, and uh, I mean, guys. So I want I want to mention this too. Like everything that we're talking about, you can go to hvmn.com and uh, you you can find like the, the ketone IQ product. And we've got a discount code biohacks set up for you guys that saves you ten uh, percent or some some coin on it if you want to pick it up. And like, I mean, I, I absolutely love that. I, I that. I had that bottle done in about as fast as uh, I was doing, you know, two, sometimes even three servings a day. And, um, and, and, and there's just so many applications. I wanted to, before we kind of moved into some of those other applications and some of the other ways that people are using ketones and, and some of the studies that like you're really excited about and things that you're seeing in in the real world too, like in the trenches with the work you're doing, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of discuss about the, the relationship between ketones and the mitochondria. I mean, you talked about how how ketones like utilize twenty five to thirty percent less oxygen in, in in the production of ATP when compared to glucose. But like a lot of people are realizing that like our mitochondria are are really like one of the big linchpins that dictate so many other facets of of health and human performance. Right? Is, is there anything else that you feel is an important? Um, discussion point or is something that's important to mention about the relationship between ketones and our mitochondria? Yeah, we do a lot of work with the Special Operations Command in the U.S. military, and we're on phase two of our trials with them. Where Phase one went really well. Phase one, the idea was to demonstrate that ketone-induced, like an exogenous ketone-induced ketosis could mitigate the hypoxia-induced decline in cognitive performance in a mental task. It's called a code substitution task. And we we saw positive results there. And then we moved forward to phase two, where it's much more expensive. There's seven different subtasks going, looking at a lot of interesting things going on. And we have some unpublished data on it that's super interesting. We're basically... Your blood oxygen level when you're at sea level is 95 to 100%. When you're at 20,000 feet of altitude, your blood oxygen goes to 65%. However, when you have ketones at altitude, you get a bump of 6 to 7% in oxygen saturation. So you're at sea level, you're at 95 to 100%. When you go to 20,000 feet of altitude, you drop down to 65%. But if you have ketones at that altitude, you bump back up into the 70s. And that's really interesting because you have more oxygen going around. You need oxygen in order to do metabolism. Having something that is more, that is using less oxygen and or leading to increased oxygen saturation in your blood is super interesting, super interesting finding. It's like, you can't really match that with, with something else. And that's like the more of the, the micro look, like the really zoomed in look of, Hey, what's going on in your blood? What's like the basic science here. And it, it backs up what we're seeing at the more macro level, which is that people are just more efficient in, in demanding tasks. There's more oxygen around. People are feeling less fatigue. They have more stamina. People have faster reaction time when they're shooting. And it's, it's, 
what we're doing with ketones now is just is connecting the micro and the macro, the micro basic science. Hey, what's the exact mechanism of action here? What exactly is going on in, in your mitochondria? What exactly is going on with your blood biomarkers? And then zooming all the way out to say, hey, like, how do you actually feel? Or like, hey, how, how are you actually performing in the field? These sometimes don't always connect in, in science in general, right? Like you can show something interesting in a Petri dish that doesn't necessarily play out in the, in, in the macro big picture. But um, for ketones, we're seeing a lot that does connect where when we look at, yeah, we, we look at, hey, this is interesting. Like another example where like the micro and the macro are connecting is that ketones are really interesting for recovery. There's this study where there's been a few different studies. There's a study on the micro that showed that, that elevated ketone levels help with muscle protein resynthesis. So after you can think about it, like after a tough workout, your muscles are really sore. They demand a lot of protein. You can go drink a protein, like a, a smoothie. You can go get a, you have some hard boiled eggs, have a lot of protein. If you have ketones at the same time, ketones accelerate muscle protein resynthesis. And they also accelerate muscle glycogen reuptake. So they accelerate the rate at which your body will like repack its batteries of glycogen. So that's like micro. We're like, hey, when we is, look is at that, true we, for exogenous and endogenous, because like endogenous, I totally get it because you're fasting or, or you know what I mean, R restricting carbohydrates, and then you would expect more efficient glucose uptake and and utilization, and you know what I mean. Does that does that also hold true with exogenous ketones? Yeah, it, it holds true with exogenous because what you actually want to do is you want to have like the ketones and the protein and the carbs. Like if you're a Tour de France rider and you're riding you know, a hundred miles at altitude every day as fast as you can. And then you're doing it again every day for three weeks. Like at the end of a given day, you're going to want to have, you're not going to want, you're not doing keto diet, right? Like you're definitely eating a lot of carbs and mm -hmm. that precious, you know, 18 hours that you have between today's race and tomorrow's having, if having ketones can accelerate muscle protein resynthesis, muscle glycogen reuptake, like, and yeah, you're definitely going to be having protein and carbs at the same time you can think of ketones in that context is like a multiplier of like they're accelerating your body's ability to uptake those those nutrients which is awesome and then the macro view on it so it's like in the micro okay we do we look at the actual muscles and we see acceleration of protein resynthesis the macro view is there's actually a study done in in this lab in belgium with cyclists where they had cyclists it was a three week long study where they're basically trying to replicate tour de france pro cycling kind of intensity where they were having people work out twice a day hard on the bike and they had two groups they were both having the same amount of calories but one group had ketones as part of that and the other the placebo group did not and the ketone group at the end of those three weeks they had 15 percent higher training volume and on their final time trial they're going five percent faster which is like crazy right like you're saying Bolt's like the goat, right? But he's not mm -hmm. like 5% faster than everyone else. Like 5% is like, if you're at that level of high performance, that's like, I mean, you're fighting for like tenths of a percent. Like something that's like 5% better is, is insane. And so that's, I mentioned all of this just to say like the micro of like, hey, zooming in on a muscle cell and seeing muscle protein resynthesis is interesting. But then when you zoom out and you say, hey, here's these cyclists that are trying it the scientific term is like ecological, like when you're trying in a real setting that matches to where you might matches to like a real world setting where you would actually be performing that you're also seeing the, the macro picture play out.
So it's interesting. It's I it's it's a really fun, fascinating space. And I think that I mean it could go goes on and on. Like we're we're looking at and I mean the like we like I don't want to take credit for everything I'm saying here, just to be clear. Like we we work with a lot of institutions. There's a lot of third-party institutions that like that Belgian group, they're just independent. Like we don't like they're just doing ketone research on their own. Um, we were we partner with a lot of groups, like we partner with UCSD or Harvard University or NIH, where we're providing product or we're co-authoring the papers or co-applying for grants. And there's a lot of research that's going on on its own. There's a lot of research that we're helping to drive and contribute to. And it's a really exciting time. I, you know, it's, it's yeah, I mean, for, exciting I'm, for performance, exciting for therapeutic applications. There's a lot going on. Yeah, I, I'm blown away what what you just said. So like you said a 15% increase in, in like their training volume and output. Yes. yes. Which is like you just think about someone who's who's getting in shape, being able to have a 15% increase in, in, in your work output every week. Like, what does that do? What, what are the compound benefits of that? You know, if, if you if you look and, at that individual versus someone else that that is is doing fifteen percent less, and you you know six months later, twelve months later, three years later, it, it, it's going to be that's exactly it, right. It's like it's like would you take fifteen percent interest in your bank account? Like right. yes, please. Like I absolutely oh would. Yeah, it's, and yeah. I think I think I think that's it. I mean, you. I think real people who have ever done an aggressive training program, whether it's like to lose a lot of weight or to train for uh, Ironman or whatever, like any kind of context like that, people, I think, know that it's not about how hard you grit it on like race day or any given workout. It's all about compounding. Like mm-hmm. you do not just like run a marathon in a day or a month or even like three months. Like you spend a long time building up to it. And like so much of the, the, for anything like marathoning, weightlifting, basketball, like it's literally everything, skiing, soccer, like, like you, you don't get good in the day. You get good by like the repeated days of compounding. Sure. Some days should be hard, but like not every day can, by definition, not every day can be like balls to the wall. Like some days need to be like an average by de- like not all days can be above average. It makes no sense mathematically. Like some days need to be average or below average recovery days. And you, the benefit comes from, I mean, I can say for marathoning, like the benefit comes from running every damn day. Mm-hmm. And is every day, am I trying to be a hero and like set a personal record? No, like 80% of the miles that marathon runners, pro marathon runners run is below race pace. So Strava, the running app did this big study where they, they just looked at all their data and pro marathoners, they're running a lot. 80% of their miles are slower than their marathon race pace. But the thing is they're running 70, 80, 90, 100 plus miles a week. And they're doing mm-hmm. it without getting injured. And they're doing it with good recovery. They're doing it on any given day in a, in a way such that you can get up and do it again the next day, next day, next day. And that's where the magic happens. Totally, totally. And guys, like if you're enjoying this episode and you're getting value from uh, this conversation with Michael, like share it up and uh, send it to friends, family members, people that you work with. And it, it, I mean, if you're interested in exploring like, what a 15% increase in, in work output could mean for you or, or, or a 5% improvement in performance, go to HVMN, uh, enter discount code biohacks, and you can pick up their ketone IQ product and some of their other uh, things that we're discussing here. Michael, what 
for just to, to kind of address this, because I want to make sure it's, it might be on the minds of some of our listeners. Does does consuming exogenous ketones impact endogenous ketone production? That's a great question. Because a lot of times, a lot of times, the first time that people hear about ketones is through the keto diet, which is all about getting your body to endogenously create ketones. And when you when you eat an avocado or MCT oil powder or bacon, you eat something with fat, you, your body is going to go through a process of converting that into ketones, as long as you don't have a lot of sugar present. If you have elevated blood glucose, elevated insulin, that will stop your body from making those ketones. Ketone IQ will directly put ketones into your bloodstream. In 15 minutes, you will see elevated ketone levels. That will pause your body from needing to create its own ketones because you have energy present. Like your body, we have ketones present. Like we do not, like we can tap the brakes on making our own ketones. What's interesting about ketone IQ for the ketogenic diet is you got to eat something, right? You're on this ketogenic diet. Like you got it. Like you're eating, you're eating avocados or eggs or steak or whatever. You're eating some source of calories. The whole reason that the ketogenic diet works is because those calories are really satiating like per gram, like per calorie, those are satiating and ketones are the same way. There was this really interesting study done where they had participants having ketones and one, one half, one wing was ketones. The other wing was dextrose. So sugar, and they were, it was isocaloric. So same amount of calories and the group that was having ketones, they objectively showed a suppression in ghrelin, which is the hunger hormones. They did a blood draw to see ghrelin. The ketone group had lower ghrelin. And subjectively, when they were asked to rate, hey, how how hungry do you feel? People reported feeling less hungry. So it's really interesting, right? You have the same amount of calories going into the system. You could say it's 100 calories, 100 calories of ketones versus 100 calories of sugar. The 100 calories of ketones is satiating you more. And it's also not spiking your blood glucose and all the other benefits of running on ketones versus carbohydrates. So ketones have their place in a keto or low carb diet where they can help you stay in ketosis. They can help you to control your appetite. But like, if you want to be burning your own body fat, you need to just be at a calorie deficit period. Like you need to be eating less than you are burning so that your body is like pulling fat to eat it. Like if you eat a bunch, it doesn't like if you're, you could be super strict on the keto diet, but if you eat like 4,000 calories of avocado and steak, you're not going to lose, you're not going to lose weight unless you're burning, burning more than 4,000 calories. I think ketogenic diet proponents would say like, well, it's super hard. You can eat 4,000 calories of uh, pop tarts and pasta because it's stuff's addicting, but you can't actually eat 4,000 calories. If you, if you ate as much steak as you wanted, you probably actually couldn't eat that much. And repeating myself here, but that's part of what's interesting about the ketogenic diet. When, when I think the one-on-one level that I, way I think about weight loss, appetite control is what calories are the most satiating? Like that's the only way to win the battle. Like you need to, you need to burn more and you need to eat less. The only way to do that is you need to somehow get more juice from the squeeze. If you, t- if you have a calorie allowance of 2000 a day or 2,400 a day or 1600 a day, whatever yours is based on your goals and your body size and all that. You need to make sure that those calories are satiating per calorie. And if and it's just it's show, like if you have a bunch of cotton candy, 
like it's stuff is addictive, like heroin, right? Like you're gonna spike your blood glucose, which is going to spike your blood insulin. And then 90 minutes later, all that insulin that's remaining around, is going to send a signal to your brain that, Hey, insulin is high, but we ran out of sugar, go eat some more sugar. And you're gonna have a really hard time with your diet versus if you have more satiating calories, if you're eating nuts, if you're eating avocados, all those good stuff that, you know, a lot, a lot of keto, a lot of it's like one-to-one with ketogenic diet, right? You're eating satiating, like go for the yogurt with higher fat and lower sugar rather than the like skim milk yogurt that's loaded up with like 25 calories of, I don't know, like sugary berry jam on top. Mm-hmm. Go for the more sat- what's more satiating per calorie. And, I, and then within that context, I don't want to paint ketone IQ as this cure-all, right? It's like, it's part of this whole picture. Like you got to exercise, you got good idea to do a fasting window, good idea to think about all your calories in. But within that context, having ketone IQ that is really satiating per calorie that suppresses appetite is definitely part. It's definitely an interesting tool in the toolkit. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, one of the ways that I use ketones is when I'm, when I'm going to be traveling and flying. You know, you have, you yeah. have this in, in, increase in, in gamma radiation. A lot of times, I mean, I don't go through the, the the machines. I always get patted down. But especially if you're going through the machines and then, you know, you're sitting in this aluminum cylinder with Wi-Fi and you got changing time zones and, and all that sort of thing. I'll, I'll utilize ketones to reduce reactive oxygen species to help prevent jet lag and kind of recover faster. Is that something that some of your clients are utilizing or like, do you have any insights in that regard? Is that something that you do when you're going to be, when you're going to be flying and traveling? Yeah, it's super interesting. This jet lag thing keeps coming up where I, cause I think that jet lag stacks a few of the, the benefits of ketones all on top of each other, where yes, you're exposed to more radiation and you're also exposed to, a shift in time zones that's going to cause some jet lag and disrupt your circadian rhythms. And so you're doing these like few different things that might make you feel not awesome. And so we keep hearing it from the community, like that people really like it, really like ketones for jet lag. Like it, it, it helps your body to be more metabolically efficient, which is, yeah. Like when you're, when you're going through security or just being at altitude, like you're exposing yourself to, slightly more radiation and having at that same time elevated ketone level where it's it's kind of counteracting it where you're getting less reactive oxygen species build up because of the because you're metabolizing ketones is interesting right and then you land and you're like six time zones off of where you started or like the next day and like you want to you want to clear your head and and feel good ketones are interesting there as well so it's jet lag is really an interesting application for it Totally. I mean, so the fact that you can even run six minute miles for a marathon is mind blowing to me. Like I was captain of the varsity soccer team in in high school and we had to do this thing where you were basically supposed to run two miles as fast as you can, like at the beginning of the season. And I always get like under 12, right? You got to, yeah, yeah. you're you're supposed to get under 12. Right. And like, I would wait until it was like a week before the season started and then I'd just kill myself on the treadmill. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like very utilitarian style training. And <laughs> I, I remember I ran it in like 1248 and, and at least like the last half of, of the run, I felt like I was going to simultaneously vomit and like crap my pants. And it was just, it was terrible. 
you know, so the fact that you mm-hmm. can run a marathon at, at, at a six minute mile pace is very uh, inspiring to me. And I'm kind of curious, like you'd mentioned a lot of your training, you know, you're staying in zone two. So you're running as fast as you can while keeping your heart rate under 140 beats per minute. Can you kind of describe a little bit of like, what are you doing? Are you taking ketones beforehand? Are, are, what type of heart rate monitor are you using? Is it attached to your phone? Are you doing road versus treadmill? You had talked about this Strava app. Does that play a role there? Does Do you measure your heart rate variability in the morning on those training runs, like using something like Elite HRV? And does that determine how hard you go? Can you kind of break down a little bit of your process so that someone like me who would, who would maybe want to improve my my running pace without like destroying my body um you know how would i go about doing that yeah i sorry i think i had a there's a little glitch in there in the but i, I got your question how like and you asked a few different things in there so let me unpack it all and let me know if i miss anything i got like treadmill hrv um heart rate monitor ketones yeah strava app if you use that strava yeah okay well one of the the main premises in running is mindset where you really want, instead of trying to run faster, I always tell myself to run at the same speed, but easier. So if that's eight minute miles, like don't try to run a seven minute mile, like try to run an eight minute mile, but just easier. And then the seven minute mile will come. It's this kind of like jujitsu move around it. It's like, you can't, if you try to like reach out and grab it and go faster, you're going to have a bad time. But if you do, if you run at your same speed, but easier, lighter, smoother, and we can talk about some of what that looks like, you're going to do better. And I, you're going to get faster over when you do the compounding workouts day after day after day. Um, and it's not going to be that painful. And one other, one of the, we talked about, you know, heart rate, heart rate variability, heart rate monitor, one training methodology that I ascribe to is called the Maffetone method, method, which is what we just talked about, where you basically constrain your exertion to below a certain heart rate. And you can do some math on it. Like you're the, you can do back to the envelope math, which is like you take, it's like 180 minus your age. And then you stay under that. That's like one-on-one level. I, the more sophisticated way to do it is and there's, there's a million blog posts out there on this. Uh, it's called the Maffetone method, M-A-F-F-E-T-O-N-E. And you wrote about it in a in a book called Slow Burn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a, there was a great podcast that Peter Atia did where he just talked all about Zone Two. So like, it's a thing out there. And the the more sophisticated way to like figure out your what's your red line of what you want don't want to go over is like you go to the track and you run like eight hundred meters as fast as you can, run like two laps as hard as you can until you want to die, and see how high your heart rate spiked. Like, what is your absolute absolute max? heart rate because it's different for different people it's not a good or bad thing it's just like some people are have more or less and then there's an equation off of that where you define what are your what is like zone one and two versus three four five six that's the more precise way to do it of hey if your max heart rate is 170 then zone two for you is x versus if your max heart rate is 185 your zone two is y that's that's the better way to do it rather than just going off of age um what I use for heart rate monitor, okay, the best ones are the chest straps. So what I what I personally use is I use a I have a Garmin smartwatch and then I have a Garmin chest strap that talks to that watch. Watches on there, I've had an Apple Watch and you know I played around with all sorts of these different devices and it's just fundamentally limited. Like there, I have not 
use one that's great. You know, you can always like kind of rotate it around on your wrist and like tighten the straps. It's like, I personally have found, I've heard this on, on different forums too, is like, and from other runner friends, like if you, if you have your watch smushed into your underside of your wrist, not your top hairy side, I'm pretty hairy, not your hairy side of your wrist, but your less hairy underside. And then like tighten it like a notch or two tighter than you would normally wear it. That's a way to get a good heart rate measurement. However, all of that is less good than the chest strap. I'm not exactly the electrical engineer, mechanical systems engineer guy, but it's just getting more surface area. It's more signal. It's better at capturing. It has a little bit larger battery. It's a little bit more closer to your heart to work with close to your heart. Yes. Closer to the heart. And I, so I have this setup where I have my Garmin watch that like talks to that chest strap that I'm wearing. So I'm doing all my splits and everything on my watch, but it's pulling the data from my heart rate, uh, from my chest heart rate monitor. And that's really cool. It's actually really fun to, to do a run and constrain yourself by heart rate. It's like, it's kind of this mind game. It reminds me of that. Remember that movie that came out that was like the bomb was going to explode if his heart rate went below a certain level. It was just like kind of cheesy nineties action movie. I forget what it's called. It was with, uh, I want to say like Adrian Brody or something. It was, it was uh, that was, I think about that a lot. It's like, okay, I need to run as fast as I can, but if I trip over 140 BPM, like the bomb is going to go off. Like, mm. and then it's cool. Cause you can see yourself. Like you, it forces yourself. You, it forces you to do all the right things where you have to let go of everything. That's not productive. Like you got to relax your shoulders. Cause maybe that's contributing being a little tight in your shoulders flexing those muscles is contributing plus three beats per minute. I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. taking some effort. You got to relax your face. You got to like lean forward so that you're, you're, it's that much easier for your feet to fall in front of you. Instead of you trying to like force your feet forward, if you're leaning forward. Your feet will come forward naturally with maybe it takes shaves off a couple BPMs of your exertion. It's, it's kind of the like dumb dad joke, but like the way to run faster is to like stop doing all the things that are not making you run faster mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you'll be faster. Like you, you kind of carve it out. It's like David and Michelangelo carving David. Like David was already inside of the marble and Michelangelo's side just carved him out from inside. Like there's a fast runner inside of you. And if you like minus out all the things that aren't working, you can get really fast. There's but a couple other things. What brand of, of Garmin watch is it that you use? I use or what, the, what model? It's, it's the, I got right the Phoenix. Phoenix. F-E-N-I-X. Awesome. I'm into it. Yeah, you know, I think the the tactical buttons on it are really nice, like being able to, like, press, start, and stop. Because sometimes I'll do, like, hill repeats where I want to, like, start it when I start running and stop it when I stop running. And, like, I had one too many instances with a smartwatch, with, like, an Apple watch where, like, like I don't know, you're a little sweaty or it's, like, raining or misting out and, like, the button doesn't work. And then, you know, mm-hmm. damn it, I didn't get my split. So if you're doing hill repeats or at the track, like, the buttons are are really good. Uh, one last concept, just on, I can go on running all all day every day. It's, this is super there's helpful. a lot to it. One thing I will say, one other concept, just to plant there, is that cadence is really important. A lot of people they hit the ground not enough times per minute. They're basically take you're basically taking two big steps, and you can run the same speed but with more frequent steps that are less intense like you're doing less per step you want to be more like that grasshopper you want to be more like tap 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 and less like this glomping 
mm-hmm. elephant. Like you want to be like light and smooth. And then what that means is that you're, you're not stretching out your stride length as much. You're not like reaching out in front of you and slamming to the ground. You're spreading that same load over a lot more steps. And for a lot of people that makes them, that makes a lot of, Hey, my knees hurt or other, other running related injuries makes them go away. You really want to be light. You want to have this like forward lean and you want to be hitting the ground. One, one visual analogy that I, that was passed on to me that I have always thought is really helpful is, you know, when you're, when you're skateboarding, you, you kind of hit, if you're on a longboard or skateboard, you like hit the ground kind of right underneath you. And then you push back. You don't like reach out in front of you. Like you hit the ground right Mm -hmm. underneath you and you push back. That's how you want to be with running. Running is all about pushing the ground behind you. It's not about reaching out in front of you. So you want to be like leaning forward, letting your foot hit the ground right underneath you. And then you want to like throw the ground back. Mm. Visualization is is helpful for people. There's a lot on on like the mechanics of running. There's a lot on the nutrition side, a lot on the metabolism optimization side. It's, it's fascinating. It's one of those things like so simple, but like, it's like baking a loaf of sourdough bread or something. Mm -hmm. There's like a a lot to it. Like you could, you can spend 10,000 hours mastering the ins and outs of running. And it's, it's very pure. I'm, I'm like you, like I was varsity four year in high school and played and was captain my senior year. Like I, I like the dynamism of the teamwork and the ball sports and the communication and the technique and like soccer has a stamina component, but it also, that's only part of the pie. Like you don't have to be like the best runner doesn't like win the soccer game. It's not even close. Right. What I've liked about running though, is that it does isolate it down. It's like, okay, we're just looking at this one dimension. And within that one dimension, it's like, you just, you know, exactly what you're optimizing for. And, and that's been, been a lot of fun. I'm happy to, yeah, it's happy to continue yeah, this, this is, like separate offline. If people want to message me on Twitter, Instagram, just yeah. What, what, what are your, your Twitter and Instagram? I want to, I want to make sure we kind of land this plane too. Cause I know you got another, uh, another appointment and, and I got to actually go for a run. So I'm going to be applying this stuff almost immediately, but are, are you also using the Strava app? Like, are you bringing your phone with oh, you? Yeah. Do you leave your, you leave your phone at home? Are you taking ketones before your runs? Oh yeah, yeah. Ketones. Yeah. I have ketones before my runs. Yeah. It feels amazing. Like I, I have ketones before I run when it's a really hard run. I'll have ketones afterwards to get that recovery benefit. Like when I'm, you know, if I'm How running really hard, I'm taking, I take like two or three doses a day. So I'll have like one before a workout. And then afterwards when I'm having my recovery, like protein, I'll have ketones with it to get that accelerated muscle glycogen resynthesis. So it feels really nice when you're drinking it. Sometimes I intentionally go on fasted runs where I don't have anything, not even ketones. Cause I want to like train my body for like, you know, the end of the marathon when you're depleted. So I'll intentionally mm-hmm. do that sometimes, but if I'm, but like for most runs, I'll, I'll have some fuel beforehand and, and cruise. Sweet. And then, and then and you're running with your phone me. too. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My, my, I don't run with my phone. I I don't like music or anything. I actually like the purity of just listening to my, listening to the wind, listening to whatever's going on inside my head. Like it's like the one time of the day I'm not plugged in. So I run with just my watch. And then after the watch, after the run, my watch syncs up with my phone and with Strava and I can look at all the data. I get, Garmin's cool. Cause you can look at a lot of the data, like in your dashboard 
as you're running and then afterwards it connects into Strava and you get a cool map and like a nice chart of like heart rate and running speed and all that. That's dope. And then, and then you were mentioning your, your IG and social where people can connect with you too. Yeah. Happy to continue the conversation about running ketones, biohacking in general. My handle is on everything is BDM underscore runner, the BDM runner and yeah, Twitter, Instagram, find me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm everywhere. And and guys, if you want to pick up the ketones that we're talking about, go to hvmn.com, enter discount code biohacks. I'm a huge fan of the ketone IQ. Last kind of rapid fire questions, and then we're done. The And I really appreciate your time, Michael. This has been a, a fun and, and fascinating conversation. Favorite biohacks and tools, like outside of ketones? Obviously, ketones are one yeah. of them. What, what are some of the other ones that you consider your favorite biohacks and tools? I can say a pretty recent one, which is actually for my daughter. We chose to do stem cell preservation, which is not something that everyone does. And you have to do it at the moment of birth because you capture it from the umbilical cord and placenta. And it's the reason not everyone does it right now is because we're still kind of early innings of what stem cells can or can't do. There's like a dozen diseases where they can solve it. But I have a thesis that in my daughter's lifetime, like in the next 70 plus years, that we're going to figure out applications for stem cells in tons of areas, maybe dementia, maybe cardiovascular disease, maybe cancer, maybe if you get a cut or a meniscus tear, being able to inject, it's already being done, like injecting stem cells. But I think, I mean, the best stem cells that you could possibly have, the ones that you know are going to be 100% one-to-one match are your own. So Mm -hmm. I think it's unbounded upside. I think stem cells are pretty good with current understanding. I think that it's going to increase massively over the next generation. So got some of my daughter's stem cells in a freezer not my freezer. It's in a like chirogenic facility somewhere. That's um, brilliant. Who did you work cool. with for that? It's this group called Anja Health, A-N-J-A. And the founder there is awesome. And they're super, super good. She'd be a great person to chat with. I'm sure your, your guest would, would love. She just knows everything about the space. Um, yeah, we're going to have to awesome. get her on. That'd Catherine. be fantastic. Catherine? All right. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Anything else? Any other like really cool biohacks and tools that you love? Can't live without. I I mean I would say I would say continuous glucose monitor. Really cool. If people haven't tried it, definitely definitely good to see your blood glucose levels on a like do you don't necessarily have to sign up to do it forever, but like do it for a couple of weeks and I think you'll learn a lot and then and then you can decide if you want to keep doing it. But I think you'll you'll be surprised what you'll see. Awesome. Guys, if if, if you've gotten value from this conversation, share it up. Um, Go to hvmn.com, pick up some ketones, uh, uh, discount code biohacks. That's that's a way to support Michael for him sharing his time and wisdom with us. Um, Michael, anything else that you want to share with the listeners before we land this plane and close it out? I think this is a great call. I would say the main message, you know, try, try something, have, have a goal that you're going for and try to A-B test against how to get there and and go for it you know it's your body is one of if not the most advanced pieces of technology you'll ever own you're the pilot and the mechanic and everything of it like have a goal for the month for the year what you want to do and go try a couple different things and see what can help get you there love it guys follow michael bdm underscore runner on ig twitter uh, go to hvmn.com, enter discount code biohacks to pick up ketones. 
Michael, thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy and your wisdom. This has been a, a fun and fascinating conversation, and I got a lot of value from it, and I think our listeners will as well. Anthony, thanks for the platform, and yeah, it's an awesome conversation. Great to unpack this all together. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. None of us are born with the warrior spirit. It is taught and trained. On the wrestling mats of Iowa, the mountains of Dagestan, and in homes across the world. Courage is learned from mentors and elders. Bravery is inoculated by a regimen of strategic training and discipline. This discipline culminates when the warrior has garnered the skill set to do what most men can't or won't. When he willingly runs into the fires of initiation because that is where his people need him. We feel disconnected when we chase the false idols of money, material possessions, and comfort. But true purpose and freedom are earned by training those parts of ourselves from which most men run. Some heavy shit is coming down, brothers. And those who rise to accept this call will go through it and win. The body, mind, and spirit are your instruments of victory. One cannot be properly trained while ignoring the other two. Our elite one-on-one coaching program is this training and your call to rise. Whether you're trying to build muscle, burn fat as fast as possible, upgrade your brain, reclaim your health, or unleash the warrior within, I will build you a personalized game plan to take your body, mind, and spirit to their true potential. At biohackercoaching.com, you will tap into the most cutting-edge health, anti-aging, and transformation protocols personalized exclusively for you to radically enhance your physical and mental performance. You'll have me in your corner as your coach and guide. With detailed instructions and advanced custom techniques to optimize your life, weaponize your body, and bulletproof your mind so that you achieve your goals as fast and safe as humanly possible. You'll discover science-derived lifestyle hacks I've only shared with our roster of Olympic gold medalists, world-class athletes, U.S. Special Forces, high-level businessmen, and super achievers from all walks of life, people ruthlessly committed to unlocking their ultimate capabilities. This program is for beginners, intermediate, and advanced fitness levels and provides everything you need to optimize your body, mind, and spirit's full capacity. We run labs and and blood work first because we believe in testing, not guessing. Then we use those data points to build you a unique, personalized program to correct underlying challenges and transform you into the man or woman you're here to become. Whether you're wanting to get shredded, add pounds of lean muscle, sharpen your mental focus and brain power, or heal, everything you need is included, and you'll have me in your corner holding you accountable, and guiding you through every step of the way. Because this isn't something I outsource to other coaches who may not have the skill set or experience you need, I can only work with five men each month. To grab a time for us to speak and determine if our Apex Coaching Program is a fit, go to biohackercoaching, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com and book a time for you and I to discuss your goals. Because we receive 50 to 100 applications each month for these five spots, if you'd like to request your application gets moved to the top of the list, send me a text message to my personal phone at 847-989-3745.
and let me know why you're ready to change your life. This is elite, personalized training at the highest level with zero guesswork. Only a small handful of people get this level of access to me and these teachings. If you've resonated with this, go to biohackercoaching.com now and fill out the short application form to grab a time for us to connect. Strength and honor.